Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, in preparation for Sabbath, March 13th, we look at Lesson 11, Waging Love. Together, let's explore how justice and mercy play a huge role in our worship to God. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, here we go again. Lesson 11, Waging Love. Memory text comes from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10. New King James Version here, and it says, If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Can't wait till that noonday light shines through and that darkness to be conquered. Exactly. Uh, as I was uh, going through this week's lesson, I'm excited about it as uh, Isaiah chapter 58 is coming up, one of my favorite ta- uh, chapters in the book of Isaiah. Same here. But uh, as well as there's some other concepts I'm really excited to get to. So, Michael, why don't you start us out here with Sunday's lesson, buying something free. I love a, I love a good deal, a good bargain. Right? Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? When we're, we, we want to get value and, and everything else, and now we do all this online price checking to see where to buy stuff for the best possible deal. And... And in our society, that we're we're kind of rather driven by this, aren't we? You know, this uh, this this uh, so much of, of what we have is is consumerism. Yes, it uh, is. What we can get and what for myself and everything else. But it's interesting. The Bible starts out with this: "This uh, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat." Mm. And so it's this this immediate contradiction right from the very get-go of here we're supposed to buy something and yet without any money i mean how how odd is that and i i have a favorite podcast i listen to on the financial markets every every morning on my way into work okay i want to see the you know business trends and what's happening and i get depressed when i do that but you know (laughs) well it's good reason today to be depressed because the market went down a lot yes it did so trying to understand what what were the reasons why right Uh and and this this idea of competition and and uh, emerging markets, all these kinds of things, and um, scripture says that uh, here's something valuable, but it's not anything that you can possibly buy with your checkbook, anything that's financial. Instead, what God wants is our hearts, mm. and to God, that's priceless. Yeah, it and is. And that's more worth more than you know all the money in the world, and. And, and here he gives this invitation, come, buy, and eat. And so there are some things that are just more valuable than money, more, more valuable than stocks in the stock market and equity and, uh, and emerging markets and all these different kinds of things that are going on. Um, and when we see what Jesus has done for us, yes, sir, we realize how priceless and valuable that is. And some people want to see a contradiction between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that somehow th- these are incongruous with one another, uh, and, 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 and that's not how it is at all. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says that you, uh, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. So all that, that uh, everything that you come with, but with the precious blood of Christ, 
a lamb without blemish or defect. And so mm. we just see again and again, and it also quotes Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, one of my favorite passages. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. <laughs> not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's just this priceless gift. And when you realize how great something is, uh, anything else that we have uh, just pales in comparison. And God invites us and says, hey, come take and eat. This, this, is, this is it. So, so then, Michael, what is the currency then, right? If I don't have money, mm. what, is, what is the currency? Well, that gets us right at, um, you know, the theme for this lesson, which is love. Mm. You know, God's, God works in the currency of love. Absolutely. Uh, surrendered hearts. He does. And, and, and our hearts, when they are melted through capturing a glimpse of God's goodness to us through Calvary, through Jesus' uh, death on the cross. Yeah. You know, I, this reminds me of a correlation to Revelation 3.18. Mm-hmm. Buy your gold from me, it's been refined in fire, and it will make you rich. Yeah. Buy white clothes from me, wear yeah. them, and you can cover up your shameful nakedness. Buy medicine for your eyes so you will be able to see. That's a contemporary English version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're exactly right, Michael. It's the, the currency of, we don't deserve this, right? We don't. Definitely not. The currency is actually us and our surrendered hearts to God. It's, yeah. our, it's our character, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it's a transformed character that can only be transformed by God. Which, In other words, we can't pay it. No. But the salvation, the, the salvation is given to us through the blood of Christ. Yeah. That is the currency, right? Yeah. That's beautiful. So it's something beyond us and what we can comprehend. It's, it's beyond us. And so that kind of, I think, is a nice segue to Monday's lesson. Uh, tell us, Buster, about high thoughts and ways. You, you know, Isaiah chapter 55, uh, we're highlighting here 6 through 13. But the lesson here on Monday it starts off with this question. It says, why does God say his thoughts and ways are higher than ours as the heavens are higher than the earth? What do you think that means? I think it means exactly what it says. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. there's a way that seems right to a man. Proverbs 16, I think 18. I might have those two mixed up, but, uh, but it's in leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I know that in my life, I think I know best yeah. and I try to dictate to God, which direction, which way it should go. Yeah. And then when it ends, when it turns out, mm-hmm. he shows me, I know best. Yeah. I know. Mm. Uh, you're called to submit your ways to mine, not my, not your ways, uh, not try to make enforce your ways upon me. Wow. Um, and that's why Proverbs 3, 5 as well, you know, mm-hmm. in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Mm-hmm. We're called to surrender. We're called to recognize that the most intelligent being in the entire universe mm. is not the one staring at me in the mirror. <laughs> Have mercy. <laughs> now, listen here. We know some egos yeah. that would argue with us on that, but anyone who can just read a portion of scripture to understand yeah. the slightness of God, right? We will never under- fully understand God, but to understand God knows that indeed He knows best and His mm-hmm. ways are better. Mm-hmm. He is He is the best, mm-hmm. and so therefore we need to surrender to the best and recognize that we are not the best. Yeah, I mean, isn't this the, the challenge is our, our human pride and selfishness just by ourselves, not even realizing it at times, how, how deeply entrenched that is. And so I think really um, the, the correct posture is one of humility and, and surrender and saying, you know, God, I didn't even realize how deep the, the, the sinfulness and selfishness of my, my human condition. But, but when I see Jesus and yes. put my eyes on Jesus, the more I see how unlike Jesus I am. But I also see how much I need Jesus 
and I say, Jesus, I need you more in my life. Come to that deepest, darkest corner of my life and and shine your light. You, you know, as you were just saying that, mm. it just brings us to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Ooh. Call upon him while he is near. Mm-hmm. And how do I how do I know that he can still be found? How do I know he's still that he's still near? As long as you have breath in your lungs, and as yeah. long as there's a desire, a, a desire to even want to connect with God, yeah. that's the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, telling yeah. us it's never too late to surrender. You know, the limitation is ourselves; it's not God. Yeah. And so, and of course, God doesn't force. So, if we close the door to Him, that and harden our hearts, it can make it impossible for the Holy Spirit to reach us. But again, that's not God doing that; it's that's us resisting, and and so. The best posture to be is, and and if you're wondering, hey, you know, I've done this terrible thing, or you know, could God possibly save me or forgive me after whatever terrible thing in my life I've experienced or done, you know, and no, I, there's nothing so terrible that God's love and grace can't reach down and change each and every one of us, um, and so our only limitation is ourselves. You know, I'm, I'm going to end with verse 7 mm-hmm. as we yeah. transition over to Tuesday's lesson, Michael. Yeah. Let the wicked forsake his way, mm-hmm. and the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. Mm-hmm. And to, to our God, he will abundantly pardon, for he will abundantly pardon. Yeah, It's beautiful, and I think because of that, Michael, we can actually become fast friends. Okay. One of the smoothest transitions I've had, right? There we there go. There you go. I love it. I love it, Buster. <laughs> you know, the, I, I have to admit, though, fasting kind of scares me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a high-energy kind of person, and, you know, if I don't even have keep my blood sugar up, oh, I, yes. I can I can kind of pass out. So the idea of fasting, I mean, kind of honestly kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. In the Bible, it talks about fast as being something important. And, and fasting has a useful purpose. Uh, it's, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but where we want to focus ourselves so much. And so God says, get away all the distractions, get away all the food, all those other things that can easily distract us. And there was one fast that above all the other fasts in ancient Israel, and as Adventists, we're pretty familiar with this, the Day of Atonement, because we usually talk about it in yep. the context of sanctuary, um, the, the, the ministry of Christ in the sanctuary. And here we have this uh, description of this fast, the Day of Atonement, and the purpose of this fast is to corporately, as the, as the children of Israel, to humble ourselves to be able to um, uh, get the collective attention. And, and there's this verse here in 58 verse 1, lift up your voice like a trumpet that uh, this is all the things that are going on as part of the Day of Atonement are a collective reminder uh, of our role and outward expression of faithfulness to God. But here's here's the kicker. Here's, What's that? Here's the kicker. Verse um, the as we go through chapter fifty-eight. Okay. Uh, God is saying to them, um, and, and well, actually, they're saying to God first, "Why have we fasted? Haven't you noticed? Haven't you seen it?" And, and then God responds here through the prophet Isaiah and says, um, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. And your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking with wicked fists. And and in verse 5, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? 
Um, is is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the <laughs> Lord? I mean, God's asking, if this wonderful thing that I've asked you to do, you do it outwardly, yeah. outward forms and yeah. go through the motions and you're doing everything that God's asked, but then it doesn't actually change you. Ooh, come on. So that after, after, it, it changes the way that not only we relate to the people that we like around us, but but the downtrodden, yes, you know, and, and God's saying, hey, the neglected people, or it's changing the people that maybe you have a disagreement with at work or the people you don't like, you know, the quarreling and strife. But there's all, every one of us, if we were really honest, we have difficult people in our lives and difficult situations. How do we, of course we do, you know, but, but God's saying it's got to transform yeah. How you relate to even the people that you don't like. Yes. You know, you know I just having this conversation with the yeah. pastoral ministry students. Mm-hmm. Our private ministry of having this relationship with God, of receiving the scripture, yeah. has to transform into a public ministry of actually living out what we learned in scripture. Yeah. Becoming a, 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 a an overwhelmed uh just a cat that's feeding itself yeah. and just doing nothing with what it's what it's received is nothing it's, does nothing good. Uh, therefore, what we receive, what we take in, we actually have to, you know, the reason why we fast is to actually do well for others. And yeah. this, is, this, is what, this is what God was saying, which is if you're going to fast and you're not feeding yourself and you look frail yeah. and everything else, but yet your heart is still mean and calloused, yeah. what good does it do? Yeah. You know, and, and I think we can make this, let's, you know, keep it real here and, and apply it to our lives today as Adventists. You know, Ooh. we tend to you know, take pride that we, we observe the correct day of worship, the seventh day as the Sabbath and everything else. But what good does Sabbath keeping do if we don't treat our loved ones in a way that is clearly relational and with kindness and compassion? It, what if it doesn't change the way that not only our families, but our fellow church members, or what about the people in our communities? Are, hmm. are we paying attention? Yeah to the people that are downtrodden, that are so socioeconomically repressed, racially, that's been a huge issue in our country this last year. Are we paying attention? Yeah. We have a biblical mandate that if we take scripture seriously, that we have a responsibility to look around to our social responsibility. So, so Michael, I have a mic drop here. Matthew okay. 23, 23. Ooh, Woe to you, on. scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith, you ought to have done without leaving others undone. Wow. You know, this is this yeah. is saying, we, we stop fasting and, and returning tithe and everything else. Yeah. We are treating people like trash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it's got to change us from the inside out, and it's got to be uh, real. It's got to be real. It has to be real. And this this brings us to Wednesday's lesson, which is yeah, tell us about fast it. fight. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what are we fighting about here? But but yeah. listen here. It says uh, Isaiah 58 verse six. Is this not the fast I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Uh, it goes on. It says, verse verse nine: You shall call the Lord, and He will answer. And, and He and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, "Here I am." If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Mm. Brings us back to what we were reading earlier, and we just see this. This act of fasting, what it actually does for us. In Matthew 25, verse 40, 
uh, shares light on this. What if what have you done to the least of these, my brethren? You've done it unto me. And I have James one twenty seven here as well, which says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans, the widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Uh, I think we, we've gone through that with uh, both Tuesday's and Wednesday's lesson. Uh, but I would just like to reiterate here, in the midst of COVID-19, Mm-hmm. In the midst of being socially, uh, physically distant, but socially close, hopefully, prayerfully, what is it that you can do for someone else? Wow. You know, I, I love to just bring it home. Yeah. Uh, you're saying, oh, the church doesn't do enough. Our government doesn't do enough. What are you doing? What are you doing? I like that. So God's given us a responsibility, if I'm hearing you right, Buster. Yeah, he has. A very personal responsibility, mm-hmm. a spiritual responsibility mm-hmm. that he's calling us to do. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael, with that being said, uh, you talked about the I, I, Sabbath earlier already. I, I, I ready to dive a little bit deeper into this. Yeah, I, I love, I love, absolutely love this text. I'm, I'm pray, prayerfully hoping that you'll actually read Isaiah 58, uh, uh, 30, 13, and 14. This is a time for us. Well, you know, I think that this is one of the most misunderstood, misunderstood texts about mm, the Sabbath. Preach to us. And, it, you know, it talks about if you turn away from your, your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I'll cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. And you know, I mean, <laughs> Just leave it at that. But, but, but it's also misunderstood, you know, uh, not doing your own pleasure on my holy day. Yeah, no, no waiting in water above your ankles. You know, we, we tend to <laughs> so develop all these, these, these lists, right, <laughs> of rules. Um, when I was teaching overseas in the seminary, the... Um, I would teach a class on the the history and doctrine of the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and always every time I, at the end, you know, I'd, I'd say, students, you, you know, these are pastors. What's your, you know, what question do you have? And it's always this text. And the question was, is it okay to have sex on Sabbath? Oh, Michael. Yeah, because it says, don't do your own pleasure mm-hmm. on my holy day. And so this was their proof text to say, wait a minute. Uh, that that uh, and of course it's assuming this is with your spouse within a loving course, marriage, course, you know. But um, a lot of these pastors, they were gone all week long. The only night that they were ever home was Friday night, mm. and so they were kind of wor- wor- and there were people that were saying it's a sin to have sex with your spouse on 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 the hours of the Sabbath, and so and so we started doing a little bit of investigating. Well, two things. First of all, is that. Over time, there's been a very unbiblical Greek, Platonic, Greek philosophy that's come in that has made the body seem that somehow sex and sexuality is inherently bad. It's to be subjugated. In the Middle Ages, you have the churches that would, you know, celibacy was the ideal. You're more spiritual if you don't engage in sex and sexuality, right? Yes, yes. Um, so that's heard, that's heard, one, heard of those religions, yes. right? Yeah. So, but it was Adventist and within the Protestant tradition, we don't we don't believe that. No, uh, not at all. Uh, but then the second thing is, is okay, well, okay, well, I'll grant you that, but, but there's still this text. And doing a little bit of investigation into the Hebrew, it's talking not about pleasure in the sense of doing something 
desirable or nice on the Sabbath day, it talks about actually the real root word is indicating business pleasure and advancing your own business interests. Ah. Uh, so accumulating money, these kinds of things that, and so really that's what this is talking about. If you're putting your own financial interests and getting ahead of everybody else as the forefront of what the Sabbath is, you're, you're actually missing out on the beauty of the Sabbath. And, and I'll never forget, I had a, a pastor in the back row that he just jumped to his feet when I explained this, that, that, that that's not what this text is saying. And he just jumped to his seat. He said, Prof, he said, this is the sin I couldn't overcome that, 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 uh, and, and saw new beauty. He had felt guilty, you know, but now in a new context of the Sabbath, he realized that sex and sexuality within, again, a holy matrimony and everything else is a beautiful thing. And, and, you know, mm. you think back to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. What were they doing after God <laughs> made them, right? You yeah, know, Richard Davidson goes into detail about this. Yeah. I'm saying he believes the consummation of the marriage was actually took place on the Sabbath. On the hours of the Sabbath. Yes. Yeah. So, so, and, and it's not just about sex and sexuality. It's the, it's more than that. It's everything that God wants us um, to delight in a relationship with him. And so yes. I always ask myself, Rather than get the ruler out, you know, whether how far you can wait out in the water on Sabbath, you know, <laughs> like you were talking about. But but it's it's got to be something. I ask the question, is this going to help me grow closer to God? Amen. That's a, And that's the question I ask. Is this bringing me closer to God? Yeah. And spending time with others and fellowship and spending time with God, spending time in nature. Yeah. Those are things that he has given us to bring us closer to him. Yeah. And, and I would say that litmus test may look a little bit different for each person. Yes. Yeah. Because depending on what you do and, yeah. and everything else, it, it may be that the way you spend Sabbath to make sure that you're connecting with God and growing spiritually. Wait, wait, wait a second, Michael. You're telling me that I can't tell you how to date your wife. I can't Ooh. tell you like, hey, you have to take her to Olive Garden because that's the only thing she'll like, and and you have to order the portobello uh, mor- mushroom because uh, you know that's what my wife likes, so that's what your wife will like. She has to, right? Right. <laughs> so so we all we're allowed to have our personal relationship with God, yeah. mm-hmm. and he he prompts us, and mm-hmm. we get to know him, he gets to know us, yeah, and he's okay with that. Yeah, I'm gonna say something very radical here. Uh oh. And, and, and for me, when, when it comes to the hours of the Sabbath, I yes. try not to read Ellen White. Mm. Now, it's not because I don't value Ellen White. I'm an Adventist historian. I specialize in studying her life and her writings and believe in promoting her and the, her prophetic ministry in the church. But I study professionally yeah. all of her writings all week long. I'm studying them and everything else. And so when I get to the hours of the Sabbath, actually, for me personally, I'm not saying this would be for anyone else. I actually put her writings aside and just say, you know, God, you and I need to connect. Amen. And so I just open up my Bible and say, you know, God, what are you trying to teach me in my life right yeah. now? And again, that, that wouldn't apply probably to anyone else. No, no. But just for me, I, I realize, okay, it's not because because when I'm reading, you know, something in the testimonies and I see something, I'm like, oh, I got to research that and, and start, <laughs> you know, and you get into business mode, right? Yeah, I get it, you know, I, I start, you know, I could write an article about that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and when I say business mode, yeah. you start thinking about work, you start thinking yeah. of professional. Yeah. And te- uh, how how yeah. am I going to teach this in the class? Exactly. E- everything else. And, and I just realized, you know, and, and for most people, I would encourage you to read Ellen White on Sabbath. Yes. But for me, I just have to, I've just decided that at least at this point right now, I want to 
keep connected and say, God, you know, right now I just need, I, I know you need to speak to my heart and work on my relationship with you, you, you know? You know, Michael, I'm glad you shared that. And I think we all have our things that we'd stay away from and mm -hmm. things that we get closer to. Yeah. I challenge you as, as families to go back to your family yeah. and ask, what what things actually bring you closer to God on the Sabbath? Just yes. just have a round table discussion with your yeah. with your kids, with mm -hmm. your family, with your loved ones, your spouse, mm -hmm. and just share that with each other. And uh -huh. I, I think that would be a great, wonderful, and beautiful thing and a challenge I'd like to give you this week. Yeah, and and focus on those things that are bringing you closer to God. And, yes. And if it's not bringing you closer to God, maybe you need to have kind of that that serious moment and say, wait a minute, maybe I need to make some changes mm. and focus on some new things amen that will help us connect as a family and connect spiritually amen amen well michael i man i, I feel like this has been a, a power-packed lesson this week and i pray, prayerfully everyone can take something away from this this week yes. of just growing closer to christ uh, according to isaiah 55 through 58 there love it well i think this is a wrap for another week so this is soup and swoops signing, signing out, out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.